He did it way better than I did, of course. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, was John Mason, the courtside announcer for our Detroit Pistons. And can you name a better rallying cry in all of sports than that one we just heard. Detroit basketball is back this week with the start of the NBA season. Yesterday, the Pistons hosted the Atlanta Hawks in their home opener at Little Caesars Arena. Uh, They didn't win, but we did see some exciting things on the floor that we haven't seen in recent seasons. Here to talk about that new season is the man behind the mic, John Mason, that courtside announcer for our Detroit Pistons. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning to you, Stephen. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. Uh, so let's talk about the season. It got underway last night. I hear that you had extra duty last night as well because the the, <laughs> the clock went out and you had to keep time manually on the side of the court. <laughs> yeah, that that got a little strange, but um, it worked itself out. <clears throat> Funny thing, you know, because you got the referees going, I'll tell you when you've got 10 seconds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I couldn't find the referees to find if the, uh, I was at the 10 second mark. <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about what we saw on the court last night. It's a different team than we had at the end of last season. There's some new players and, of course, Derek Rose, a new superstar who's, who's joining us. Uh, how optimistic are you about the outcomes for this season? Uh, last night's game was was a bit tough. I had been on the road the night before in Indiana, uh, which was a, a tough fought game. So we figured, you know, at least I did that. You know, the tank wouldn't be full for him for mm-hmm. the opener. But I do like what I see, and Derrick Rose likes being in Detroit. He's got a good feel for the team. He likes the city. That's always important to me. Uh-huh that players of that caliber, when they come in, do they really like the city? Uh, And he's embraced it. And he wants to win. So that's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you've been through the, with the team, of course, through good times and bad times. <clears throat> what era of this team would you compare the atmosphere in the room last night to? What What, what are we seeing uh, now that would re- remind us of uh, a previous era? Well, I, I think, you know, we still have Blake Griffin, who is our, our big superstar, mm-hmm. who will be out for about another five games. But this this reminds me of when they were putting the, the Chauncey Phillips uh, and, and, and they found the Jim and the Ben Wallace type era. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not the exact same, but the feel of it is there. Yeah. Uh, as you can Andre Drummond, on a contract year, so you know his focus is greater. Um, he, he, he was bound to get better. He's gotten better, so uh, that's a, a, an extreme bright spot yeah. for yeah. Piston fans. Yeah, uh, and uh, the emergence of uh, of uh, newer players, Bruce Brown, out of the University of Miami. So there are some good pieces. I'm excited. It does remind me of when they were putting. Uh, the Chauncey Billups era together. Yeah, yeah, no. Then of course that uh, that era delivered us the championship. So it fingers did. crossed that uh, that we'll get there again with these guys. Uh, talk about how you became the courtside announcer for the Pistons. 
Well, I was actually changing radio stations at the time, and the general manager of the new station thought it would be a, a good idea to try to get me connected with the Pistons. At the same time, Ken Calvert, who was the Pistons uh, arena announcer, had uh, taken a, a greater opportunity to uh, be head of PGA Golf uh, Promotions. And he also recommended me for the job. Now, when they gave it to me, they told me that there would be a uh, open practice at Wayne State. And would I like to do that? So I'm thinking I'm getting connected. So I said, of course, because I had just changed jobs. I thought there was a little extra in the paycheck. I was going to try to get them to give me a big discount on some season tickets. So, yes, I was going to do it. Uh, and after it ended, um, there was nobody I could find to talk to. Uh, and as I was exiting, someone came up and said, listen, we'll see you at the palace next week. So I said, oh, okay, I guess the the uh, Kenny's not going to do it. He must uh, don't do preseason games because I'd never done this before. So I said, well, he doesn't do preseason, so maybe they'll let me do one more. I'll get my chance to ask about those tickets. <laughs> uh, and when I did that one, they handed me a schedule, and I was floored. But no one actually said, you're the PA guy. It just kind of gave me the assignment. I didn't have to audition. <laughs> I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I had to learn on the spot. So it was quite a blessing and great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think for most people who watch on television or go to the games, they see you and they hear you and it sounds like you're having great fun. But, you know, as you point out, it's a job and it's work. And, and there's a lot of things you got to keep track of and pay attention to to make sure that you're saying the right things at the right time. Well, someone told me once, uh, they said, think about this. You're going to average anywhere between 12,000 and 23,000 fans a game. You're the only voice that they hear calling the game in the arena. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's quite a responsibility and you do about uh, six to 12 live 30-second commercials. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade it. I, I remember when the Buffalo Bills were in the, in the Super Bowl and they did a behind-the-scenes thing with the coach, Marv Levy, who said to them, where would you rather be than right here? right now. Wow. And every time I do a game, I remember that. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, it's taken me everywhere. I was voted um, the all-star in arena announcer mm -hmm. internationally in uh, Cyprus, Turkey. And when I went on the floor, they had 100,000 fans and they all went, Yee-ro basket. <laughs> so that was their rendition of Detroit basketball. Right. So it's taken me around the world. I'll be in uh, Mexico in December with the team for a home game. But I've been everywhere and been recognized by a lot of people. So yeah, yeah. what a, what a great blessing. 
you know, I, I, I tease people. I said, listen, there's two things I don't have to do. I don't have a job, and I don't have to go to school. <laughs> just playing around. <laughs> that's so much fun. That's a nice, that's a nice gig, for sure. Yes. Uh, so before I let you go, I want to talk about that, that famous call, as you point out, that people now know around the world. Detroit basketball. How, how did you come up with that way to, to, to get people excited? And you do it when it's about, it's about possession, right? Uh, yes. possession, possession of the ball. Well, it, 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 it wasn't anything planned at all. Um, I had been with the team two years, and on the third year, they were going to give them a national game. And I'm like, oh, wow, so now we're going to be on national TV. <laughs> so the broadcasters from ESPN thought the game was boring. This is when the Pistons were keeping teams under 80 points. <laughs> and they said, well, this game is boring. We're going to switch to Houston. And I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm saying to myself, no, no, no. I said, we just, this is our first time, and now you're going to take it from us. You know, and I, and I wanted the country to just feel Detroit. I didn't know what to say. I wasn't trying to think of anything to say, but I was just crushed that they were going to switch. And we had just made a a great defensive steal and knocked the ball off of another player. And subconsciously I took a <laughs> negative, flipped it into a positive without even knowing it. Yeah. The negative was this air ball. <laughs> right. And I just shouted out Detroit basketball. And man, the guy next to me said, you know, this is your last game. You're not supposed to do that. that. That's not a foul. That's not a shot. You, they're going to kill you. Just, you can pack it up, buddy. I'm like, ah. Well, so I said to myself, even if they do, if they let me go, at least I show pride for Detroit. Yeah. And that was the only thing that I was thinking about, just to show pride of our city. Yeah, yeah, that's really great, uh, so John. They, they 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 did they did not like it, the organization, <laughs> and they told me they'd have a meeting with me next game. But the next game they went to play, ironically, was in Indiana. They had to go on the road before they came back home, and they said, "When we come back home, we'll have the meeting." They go on the road in Indiana, and some fan has a gigantic sign that says "Detroit Basketball <laughs> Make Sports Center." Wow. When I got back, they just said, anytime you want to say that, go <laughs> That's right, right ahead. Go right ahead. People like it, right? Yeah. And now it's uh, it's the call that everyone identifies with you. All right, John Mason, courtside announcer for the Detroit Pistons. Thanks really uh, much for uh, for joining us here. It's really great to hear from you. Stephen, thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, always been a fan of yours as well. Oh, thanks. So thank you for the opportunity and and. Uh, all you basketball fans, it'll be a much better year. Yes, it you. will. And, of course, they're right in downtown Detroit now, which is uh, a yeah. big bonus. <laughs> all right. Up next, we're going to talk with Bill Shea, a senior writer for The Athletic, about the Pistons' new season and the business stories that are surrounding the team and the NBA and other sports. Stay with us on Detroit Today.
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We want to continue our conversation about basketball and the NBA, and in particular, the business of basketball. And joining us now is someone who spends a lot of his time thinking about these things. Bill Shea is a senior writer for the athletic bill welcome to the studio thanks for having me and this is uh, this is the first time you're here with us in your new capacity as uh, the senior writer for the athletic you were for many years with cranes detroit business so congratulations on uh, on your move thank you thank yeah. you very much so, um so let's talk about uh, the nba season which started yesterday and Starts. Let's start with uh, under somewhat of a political cloud, which is really unusual for that league. I feel like uh, it's a league that that has done a good job of, I guess, promoting the idea that its players and its coaches could have opinions about things, could say stuff, uh, could get involved in causes, and they seem to navigate that a lot savvier than, say, the NFL, for instance. Now, though, you've got all kinds of people uh, decrying what this uh, this Houston executive said about China and uh, other people decrying the league's response to it. This is not what uh, the commissioner wants, I imagine. <laughs> I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, I think the NBA has discovered the third rail um, and they embraced that third rail uh, very closely. Uh, with China, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, the NBA was sort of held up as the the, the most progressive of our, our major sports leagues. Um, you know, players, executives, um, staff freely spoke about issues important to them, and they did. Um, and the fans, uh, I think, largely embraced that too. Um, but then uh, Daryl Morey, the the general manager in Houston, uh, tweeted out six or eight words in support of the the pro-democracy uh, protesters in Hong Kong um, on a Friday evening or afternoon. And by Monday, it was an international incident, um, you know, because China, uh, you know, authoritarian, ruled one-party state, communist state, um, where the NBA is deeply invested. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, the most populous country on earth, and they absolutely love basketball. And they have for a century, mm -hmm. um, even, you know, through the long march and the cultural revolution, basketball, Chairman Mao loved it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's a thing. And the, and the NBA saw its future there because you're kind of out of room to expand in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of maxed out. Uh, I mean, there's there's there will find ways to make money here. Um, but China, it's it's, you know, still a very young market for pro sports, uh, Western American sports, and the NBA in, in particular. Uh, um, uh, Adam Silver, I think, had mentioned at one point, I think last year, that China is worth $4 billion to the NBA. Uh, this tweet went out, the, the Communist Party and the apparatus, uh, the Chinese Basketball League, everybody recoiled in horror and was offended and, you know, they suspended suspended relationships and, and, and uh, you know, companies that were doing business with the Rockets said, nope, we're not going to do this. Um, you know, Tencent, the, the massive uh, Chinese company, you know, has a billion and a half dollar broadcast deal with the NFL. Uh, last year, almost 500 million Chinese citizens watched NBA games. Yeah. That's bigger than it's the population of our right? whole country. <laughs> right. um, so people, uh, you know, people freaked out in a lot of good ways, bad ways. Um, you know, there was domestic backlash to the NBA basically taking, a, a, you know, 
what can be viewed as a pro-China stance on this. Um, LeBron said some some things um, that he probably shouldn't have. Um, so it's you know it's quieted down a little bit. Um, I, I I don't know if it will blow over. I think this and this this happened at the 30th anniversary of Tiananmen Square right. too. Right. Um, I'm old enough to to clearly remember and be wide eyed that this thing was happening in in real time even before internet and and things like that. So it's not quite fresh in my memory 30 yeah. years later, but I you know everybody remembers Tank Man and sure. and then here's like people kowtowing to the the Communist Party, um, yeah. and that's not popular in this in this country. It's not, I mean, it really highlights the the tensions that arise when money is is involved and politics sit on the other side of that money. And and you know, as you point out, the NBA has been able to skirt around that kind of stuff for a long time, and and now, of course, they're getting. Their comeuppance in in a way. It'll be really interesting to see how this affects finances uh, in the league going down the road. Uh, I, I want to change subjects so that we make sure to get to Detroit and our uh, team that's part of the NBA, the Pistons. Uh, what is your sense of where we are with this uh, with this team? Well, the Pistons are one and one. Uh, they're five hundred. Last season they finished five hundred. Um, they made the playoffs. <laughs> they got swept. That's that's what they do when they make the playoffs. Um, you know they're ended in Milwaukee in the first round and in, in the Greek Freak. Um, and I, I don't know um, if the Pistons are going to be considerably different than last year. You know Blake Griffin's out for I think three or four more four more games. Um, they look great in in the opener um, at Indianapolis. Um, you know, Kennard had a big game. Uh, Drummond just was a machine out there. Um, you know, I, I, I think it could be interesting this year. I think they're going to – and then, you know, they lost by 17 uh, last night. Um, gave up, you know, uh, 38 to, to Trey Young, and I think, you know, he had nine assists. I mean, you know, it's kind of where they're, where they're at. Yeah. Um, and they've been kind of stuck in this for a while. I mean, they're clearly better than they were a few years ago. Um you know, there's going to be some nights when they're just fantastic to watch, and there's going to be other nights where you're pulling your hair out, thinking, you know, one of these guys <laughs> can't doing, they pull it together, uh, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> Derek Rose will have big nights and things like that. Um, but but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch this season. It'll be interesting to watch the attendance at Little Caesars Arena. They now have all of the the black seating to mm-hmm. replace all of the red seats that they did. So you won't see last as, year. It won't look as empty, right? Yeah, it won't look as empty on TV. Um, but you know, the diehards will come out. Um, it'd be nice to see them get better because Detroit sports right now are not in a good place. Yeah, we don't really have anywhere else to go to get better results right now. Hockey, baseball, football—they're all kind of in the in a in a low period. In fact, I've said many times that this, for the first time since I was a kid, reminds me of when I was a kid in the 1970s. For instance, we didn't have good professional teams here. And then, of course, the Tigers kicked off a, a really long era of success in 1984. I, I feel like we're back in that uh, in that that kind of slump right now. Uh, I, I also want to talk, before we run out of time, about this new training facility in New Center. Uh, it is unbelievable from the outside. I have not been inside yet. I've heard about some of the things that are going on in there. Is this something that all... NBA teams do, or is this something that uh, 
puts the Pistons out ahead of other folks. Uh, it's actually something I'm uh, I'm kind of working on over at the Athletic, taking a look at the trend of these these practice uh, headquarters facilities. Um, they're gorgeous. Um, you know, I I had uh, talked to Arn Tellum, who's the vice chairman and minority owner of the team. He basically compared it to a Canyon Ranch spa, one of the high end. Yeah. Um, you know, they're in Vegas and stuff, um, and they're like that. I I was out there uh, over the summer before it was finished and and walked through. I mean, it's a magnificent facility. It's got the public facing portions to it. It's attached to the Henry Ford sports medicine facility, which is handy. Um, but yeah, there's a number of these facilities out there now. Um, they're revenue generators for the team. Um, they're, you know, if you're trying to lure free agents, you can be point to this thing and say, Hey, look, this is a world-class, not just state of the art, this is a world-class facility for what it is. Um, to, you know, the spas and the medical and yeah. all of the, you know, they can get meals 24-7 over there. I mean, it is it is high class. I mean, this is, it's on par with anything in pro sports, Cowboys, Lakers, the Pistons have a facility that, that rivals that. Yeah. And of course, it's in the city, which of course uh, reminds us of all of the things that are changing in that part of the city uh, in particular. Uh, we've got about a minute left, but uh, uh, you you recently wrote about emerging tech and the role of sports analytics, and I wonder if you think uh, that has an effect of, on the basketball world as well as other sports where we're more familiar with with that idea. Uh, I, you know, baseball has always been statistically driven. Um, other sports have had their stats, but I think basketball is working its way. The N- the NBA. Um, in the in the summer league and now in the G League has a chipped most motion sensor chip basketball, hmm. um, and they're working to get chips on players too, uh, like a, a little chip that's on their shoe, um, and you'll get a deeper sense of statistics, and that's good for fans, uh, you know, the wonky folks who love data. It's good for the players, the team strategy, uh, media. It'll it'll fuel like the NFL has its next gen stats that show up. Um, because they have chipped footballs, and even the pylons and the officials are chipped, and we'll, we'll see more and more, um, and hopefully will help officiating as well. That'll be a big thing, and gambling. I mean, gamblers will absolutely eat this stuff up, yeah, and everybody will sell the rights to the data and things like that, and capitalism, the money always follows. <laughs> the money always rules, right? I, I also wonder, though, uh, some people think analytics is ruining baseball, for instance, and and. So there's sort of a downside to the idea of knowing every little stat about things and having that influence decision-making. Is basketball, I guess, vulnerable to that as well? Yeah, it, it, it could be. You know, there's always going to be that tension, the old school, you know, just want to see them play. And I think you can do that. Um, I, I don't know, you know, baseball, there's the arguments about the shifts and, and things like that. And I think it's been a positive for baseball. Um, hopefully it will be a positive in professional basketball as well. Yeah. Okay. Bill Shea, senior writer for The Athletic. Great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. And again, congratulations on your new role with that organization. Thanks so much. Always happy to be here. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for me this week. I'll be back on Monday. We're going to talk about Mayor Duggan's bad week with Crane's Detroit Business Senior Editor Chad Livengood. And we'll talk about the latest local, state, and national political news with Detroit News editorial page editor, Nolan Finley. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more on Monday.